Yeah, I mean, we're we're lucky with the size of city that that we live in to have several really good wine retailers. Um, and yeah, I mean, talk to anyone at, at those places and, and they'll be able to point you in a, in a good direction. And is it wrong-minded? I mean, I like to think of, even if I don't know what kind of wine, if I know someone drinks wine, I don't know what kind of wine they love, but I kind of know what they eat. So like, oh, that's a steak guy. Yeah. Well, you can go in with the food. You know, or, you know, this, yeah. this person loves sushi. You know? I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of giving wine as gifts for Christmas um, because, you know, I've I've been typically pretty poor for the past few years, <laughs> but I get, like, wine at cost. Um, but, like, I think maybe a great gift option or idea um, to do is to maybe really talk to someone at one of these places and, and put together a little, like, box of, of wine with a theme. You know, you could do wines from Oregon or you know maybe like do a do a Chardonnay and a Pinot from Burgundy and and have it be like a a little bit more special than just a rando bottle that you're that you're gifting out so welcome back to Food Crush the on Milwaukee podcast for people who eat I am your host Matt Miller culture editor for on Milwaukee and I'm joined as always, by my esteemed colleague, the one here who actually knows things, Lori Frederick. How are you doing, Lori? Doing great. We're doing great. a lot better than usual this episode because yeah. we have wine in our hands. We have glasses of wine in our hands. We don't have puddles of wine. Yep. We're, we're, you can't hear it, and it's probably messing up producer Gabe's audio. He's saying we're fine, so we should just keep doing that all episode long. There it is. There we go. Chin chin. We have wine on this episode. Spoiler alert, this episode's about wine. And to talk with us about wine, and that, and he brought us wine, too. Uh, Lori, would you like to introduce yes. our wonderful co-host? We or, have. Our guest. We have the But most. if you want a co-host, if you bring wine every episode, we are game. <laughs> yeah, what do you call that when there's three hosts? A triumvirate. The triad. The triumvirate. The tripod. <gasps> it's called uh, a Tripod. tripod. Oh, all right. All right. Introduce all right. our co-host. Now that we're way off the rails. So I am here with our, our very brave wine guy, um, Jordan Burick. 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 Yes. Does, yeah, that'll work. The yeah. wine is making itself very present in this episode. Yeah, despite despite having had one tiny sip. Yeah, but thank um, you for joining us. I'm but, glad to but be Jordan here. Jordan is the uh, one of the co-owners of the new Voyager wine and cocktail bar not yeah. what i thought space program not no one's going to space but, but i'm named. not that smart but, but. named <laughs> for space yeah I, I mean we we did truth be told we did take uh take inspiration for the name from uh the voyager missions in the late 70s oh, cool. um, uh, headed up by carl sagan so we're big carl sagan fans over there and <laughs> thought hey we have we have a chance to name something <laughs> so let's, let's go with Voyager. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, for us, for us over there, it's it's all about exploration, and um, so it just seemed kind of fitting. You so. should have a special program every week called Neil de Grapes Tyson, where you discuss wow. the types of yeah. wine grapes that you're using each week. I thought I was punny, but more I think, uh, wine, clearly, <laughs> clearly, clearly. <laughs> So, no, but, I mean, you guys, one of your big emphases in, at Voyager is on kind of learning, exploring, trying something new. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think that uh, that oftentimes wine and wine culture is, um, it, seems, it seems really big or austere for people who maybe aren't, you know, super familiar with certain grape varietals or certain producers and um we're trying to maybe demystify some of that stuff bring it a little bit more down to earth uh for people and really we just kind of want to have a a sense of of fun attached to to drinking wine and even learning about wine because because that's really i mean wine began as a you know it's a convivial beverage that Mm -hmm. that people drank you know they were preserving grapes it's booze like it's alcohol (laughs) i mean it's it's one of the earliest things that people made um and for millennia it was probably the safest thing you could drink way beyond Uh, water yeah most people didn't drink water because 
Uh, purification yeah. didn't really exist. Oh, that checks out. No one had you know, Yoda filters back beautiful in Beautiful things like fecal BC matter and, yeah. <laughs> and, and plague floating in yeah, the water. They just had right. a piece of shale above, I don't know, the river. And they're like, yep, that's, I, yeah. call, I call it my filter. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, wine Wine was, was the drink of choice for, um, you know, a lot of our early, early ancestors. And, and their uh, children. Yeah. How did you get into wine? That's a good question. Um, I, I've worked at restaurants over the years and um, mostly as a cocktail person, but um, when I was working at Hinterland uh, in the Third Ward... Rest um, in peace, Hinterland. R.I.P. Um, my, my boss, Sarah Nardi, um, was gracious enough to you know let me fill in and, and hang out with her during wine tasting sessions with vendors and... Um, that's, I think probably where I started to really get an appreciation for it. Um, maybe during that time or just after that, I I started doing a lot of traveling when I was in school and I ended up in the Mediterranean quite a bit and, and got to try some really cool wines overseas. So, um, and and with that, you have a really interesting kind of cultural anthropological take on wine often. Yeah. You know, I, I have an anthropology degree and I studied archaeology and um, turned down a, a, a PhD program in Buffalo to stay here and help open Dan Dan. And, you turned um, down Buffalo? Oh, I tur- I know. boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that must um, have been a tough choice. I know. I was like, <laughs> I was this close to having to become a Bills fan for a second. Um, but uh, yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, I tend to approach a lot of things that I do from, from, an anthropological perspective somewhat. I think it's just kind of innate in how I... Which at least for me becomes fascinating, you know, because when you start talking about regions for grapes and different things in Italy, it's sort of, it really, really knits together. I mean, you can't, in some ways, separating the two is sad, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's wine wine drinking and wine growing and um, everything related to wine is part of the culture in a lot of these areas and um, you can't have the culture without the wine and, and vice versa. So yeah, it's important to kind of think holistically about that stuff. Um, also equally important to sometimes just pop open as many bottles as you can and like just go crazy. So, you know, <laughs> right, right. Would, would you say that's kind of the best way? Cause I'm someone who's always wanted to get into wine. My family is a big my family loves wine. My, my significant other loves wine and I enjoy drinking wine, but I don't, I'm not one of those people who taste it and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really getting those grapes or like I'm really getting tannins or I, what do you think is the best way for someone like me or other listeners out there who are trying to get a, a smarter palate about wine? What do you think is the best way to kind of go about that? Well, I, you know, we talk about this a lot. Um, at work when we're, when we're tasting stuff. And, and really I think the best thing or maybe the easiest way to, to think about wine or talk about wine is when you taste a wine, what, what does it make you want to eat? You know, I think that's Hmm. a really easy way for people to kind of start getting a vocabulary about talking about it and start to explore. Um, that's not to say that you have to have a meal with every glass of wine. Some wines are perfectly fine to, to drink by themselves. Um, but for me as, as a person who's kind of growing into, um, you know, more of a wine person, if I taste something and I'm like, wow, I could, I would totally have this, you know, whatever, like pork belly or, you know, steak or whatever. Um, that's how I start to really know that I'm, that I'm tasting something special. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's and so that, subjective. And that's funny because that sounds like you're jumping way ahead to the pairings piece, yeah. but in a way you're not, I mean, because, because one, you know, one of the things about kind of putting wines together with food is like, what do they have in common or what do they have that's very dissimilar? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's important to, to understand that people who make wine are farmers, just like people who grow anything else. Um, so there is, there is just a really direct relationship between wine and food. Um, you know, it just so happens that certain wines have characteristics that lend themselves to be paired better with certain things or more things. Um, 
you know, I, I like sometimes I talk about like, oh man, I would pair this wine with a, you know, whatever food item or, you know, like a cigarette, <laughs> like it's just, you know, whatever, whatever you're in the mood for. It's like, um, sometimes you just want to have a glass of wine and that tobacco you know, and leather in there. It's yeah. You know, I no, mean, notes of rope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't like, it doesn't have to be super hoity toity. Um, you know, but certainly, certainly there's a, a relationship between food and wine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, everyone kind of gets into wine a little bit differently. Um, and, and, you know, it, it is really subjective. Um, you could probably ask a thousand people how the, how they got into wine and hear 2000 different stories. So, yeah. um, so, so like for instance, what we're drinking now, yeah. <laughs> well, we're slamming into the microphones like fools. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, good. Cause we have all this electronics on this table yeah. and just like glasses of wine flying everywhere. Right. Yeah. I, so give us a little, uh, you know, on this, this is a Riesling. It's German. a Riesling. Yeah. Um, this is a, a bottle. It's delicious too. I just want to say. Yeah, I, you know, we did a, a really cool riesling tasting yesterday, and um, I brought an extra bottle that we had. Um, riesling, riesling is a is a really interesting wine to talk about, kind of, you know, based on this part of the conversation because riesling is a really complex uh, white wine that, you know, there's different styles ranging from drier to sweeter, off dry. Um, and this one's probably about right in the middle. There's there's a, a bit of residual sugar in the, in here, but there's also a really nice acidic streak, mm-hmm. um, which kind of, you know, tricks your palate in, into, like, sensing a, a body and a weight with the wine. Um, and maybe Riesling, a little bit of mineral and kind of... Yeah, you know. for sure. There's some slaty notes in here. Um, That's two slate references in one episode. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is a great example of a wine that you could just sip on, um, you know. What would, you, what would you eat with this, Matt? I actually, I, I was thinking about that during this conversation. And first of all, I do agree that this would be like a perfect kind of summer patio wine. Because yeah. it's it's very light and flavorful, but without being like not there, right? Um, my first thought was that, and this is going to be a real basic basic wine bitch note, but uh, like I, I think it would go well with a fish dish. I think yeah. it would go well okay. with a nice yeah. salmon. Yeah. I also think it would be a great like fruit dessert pairing wine because okay, that sweetness. Yeah. I think it would go well with like maybe like a lemon dessert because I think the tartness of the lemon and the sweetness of this would really kind of mesh well. Yeah. I may be talking out of my ass though. So <laughs> No, I mean I I think it's important to say that, I mean, you know, it, it is subjective and, and it's all about your experience with things that you've eaten and, and tasting the wine. I, yeah, I agree. I mean you, you could oh. definitely enjoy this with salmon. This would be a perfect wine pairing with like spicy food. Yeah. That's um, true, yeah. Because that sweet sort of hits the spice and yeah, tones it would mellow it down. each other out. I yeah. always think of sushi when I'm drinking Riesling. Yeah. Because it's one of my, I would go a little, I tend to go a little bit more dry when yeah. I do that, but mm-hmm. um, but sushi is great with a dry Riesling. Well, yeah, that might be another we, thing that we When we met do. with um, Nicholas Pfaff from uh, Robert Vile uh, yesterday, um, you know, he mentioned that a lot of their sales worldwide um, come from Southeast Asia where the cuisine is, is noticeably spicier. Sure, um, it's a Thai cuisine. Yep. And Perfect he did this. mention, yeah, the, a lot of the dryer styles, the trucking styles that they do um, are really popular in Japan too. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's the cool thing about Riesling. It's almost like the ultimate white wine. You can <laughs> find one to eat with almost anything. Um, I mean, just imagine this particular one with, um, you know, some some barbecue. I mean, it oh, would be, yeah. it'd be killer. Um, this, by the way, is, is a, a cabinet style Riesling, so it's a little bit more off dry. Um, so, yeah, but, so what does that mean? So basically, um, you know, when you're looking at at Rieslings, um, luckily for us today in, in, in our market, it's not all of like the super saccharine sweet stuff that you oh, were seeing in the 1980s. 80s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bad, We've bad moved Riesling. beyond the uh, Miami Vice Rieslings uh, at this point. <laughs> uh, there's more options for us. Um, their shirts aren't unbuttoned down to their belly button. Speak right. for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, typically there's there's a range of of sweetness um, or residual sugar in Riesling. Um, the driest stuff is is called Trocken, um, and then the next step up from that is Cabinet, which is um, slightly more off dry. Um, and then once you get into some of the like the Spätlese stuff, you start to pick up a little bit more sweetness. Um, and, the cool thing, Spätlese, like you see that, and you know that's going to be sweeter. Is that, right. I mean, that's always been a good gauge for me. Yeah, like anything Spätty. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, and coincidentally, um, styles from uh, Spätlese and and higher on the sugar scale tend to be more age worthy. So what happens with some of those sweeter wines is that you can age them, and as they age, um, you you lose some of the detectable sweetness. Um, so is that, is that because there's an ongoing fermentation where the the sugars are being consumed? Yeah, um, I think so, and and you know white I'm not, wines. I'm not on the science end of this, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to get super sciency yeah. about it either because I, I don't necessarily want to be quoted. Um, Unfortunately, I was drinking a lot of Riesling during our tasting yesterday, and I picked up some some tidbits here and there from, <laughs> from Nicholas. But um, yeah, I mean, typically, you know, um, typically you're going to have a little bit more higher acid ratio to to the sugar with with the chalk and stuff, which will lend itself to a, a fairly wide variety of foods. I chose this cabinet to bring today because I feel like it's right in the middle. It kind of hits a sweet spot. Um, especially if we're going to be talking about like holiday food um, and things like that, like get togethers. So it's a very nice segue. Very nice. Yes. Because we we do want to talk about that. Because the holiday seasons are approaching. We've got Thanksgiving, we've got Christmas. And I, I, as, as with all things now, I'd like to start with Christmas Um, because I think wine is something that people, it's a nice gift for Christmas. It's something that, that it's, is is a, is a good investment if you have people who are interested in wine. Uh, it, it shows a, a kind of level of taste. It's something you can share. What do you think are some good wines or good just even kind of types of wines that would be kind of safe to give during the holidays that aren't going to like offend anybody or, right. or upset <laughs> anybody? Like what are what are kind of the, the types of wines that are good gift wines? I mean, to me, just, I mean, right off the bat, I think, maybe some of the more familiar varietals are obviously a safer bet for people. Um, Pinot, uh, Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon, um, for the reds, I'd say that's, you know, like most people aren't going to, aren't going to, you know, send it back. Um, <laughs> well, and, and some of these too, you know, they always say that wine, like there's a, there's sort of a magic price point where, you know, if you're don't go below 10. Yeah. Don't don't go below ten. You're, but you don't necessarily don't have be to go above, even if you say, above sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, even saying the really, words going you know. below ten could cause you cause you to lose your voice, as That's we just saw. <laughs> Larry got very yeah. troubled for a moment there. She got possessed um, by the ghost of yeah. a dead wine connoisseur. <laughs> dead, dead. Um, yeah, I mean, come on, it's Christmas. Don't be a cheapskate. Don't be Scrooge. <laughs> Um, so my boxed wine gift is not good. But I, I mean, don't know. well, it's it. easier to wrap a box box of wines. You know, um, is there a good boxed wine out there? There's, like, you know, uh, I'd say, like, if you're gonna bring wine to a Christmas dinner, you could get away with it. I don't know if, I mean. Honestly, I haven't had a lot of boxed wine, um, so I, I don't want to be the... This is, this is a know. good idea because it really is a great way of keeping wine, but there's my sense is that there's just enough sort of pride and a little snobbery in there, which kind of keeps people from going and throwing their wine from a beautiful bottle with a cork to a plastic sack. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> get weird about plastic um, in anything. And I kind of feel like, um, wouldn't you taste that eventually? Eventually you'd have to. And, and yeah. I, I feel like people are less apt to properly store a boxed wine than they would a bottle of wine. So you never know if there's been some temperature things happening. Mm. Um, glass tends to insulate a little bit better than cardboard yeah, and it'll plastic. It'll automatically stay cooler. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as like gift gift giving for wine, like, you know what, if you, if you don't know the person and you don't know their wine tastes, go 
go for a varietal that's that's popular, Chardonnay, Pinot, Cab Sauv, um, you know, there's plenty of those out there. Um, and there's probably a handful that you can get um, at, a, at a proper price, you know, but really like talk to someone at the store who knows about wine. You know, there should be people there to help you. And, and go to a good, kind of a good wine shop. Like you could go to Voyager, right? You, you could you could come to us and, and taste out stuff by yeah. the glass or by the half glass. And we'd be happy to make recommendations mm-hmm. for you and tell you where to get stuff. Um, but here there's great places like Waterford Wine is great. Ray's Liquor. Yeah. Classic Ray's. And, yeah. Yep. and Tosa. Um, yeah, um, you know, thief is a great thief, option too. Thief wine, um, public market. Yeah, sure. I mean we're we're lucky with the size of city that that we live in to have several really good wine retailers. Um, and yeah, I mean talk to anyone at at those places and and they'll be able to point you in a in a good direction. And is it wrong minded? I mean, I like to think of even if I don't know what kind of wine, if I know someone drinks wine, I don't know what kind of wine they love. But I kind of know what they eat, so like, oh, that's a steak guy. Yeah. Well, you can mm-hmm. go in with the food. You know, or you know, this yeah. this person loves sushi. You know? I'm a, I'm a big fan of of giving wine as gifts for Christmas, um, because you know I've I've been typically pretty poor for the past few years, <laughs> but I get like wine at cost. Um, but like, I think maybe a great gift option or idea um, to do is to maybe really talk to someone at one of these places and and put together a little like box of of wine with a theme. You know, you could do. Wines from Oregon or, you know, maybe like do a do a Chardonnay and a Pinot from Burgundy and, and have it be like a, a little bit more special than just a rando bottle that you're that oh, you're gifting yeah. out. So during wine season, actually, for about the last decade, and I've relied heavily on wine experts in shops for this. But I, and I think now it's becoming a little trendier to do this. But I traditionally for wedding gifts, I'm giving people a wine to drink on their first year anniversary and on their fifth year anniversary and then maybe on their 10th. That's a great idea. that spectrum, you sort of get a really good, like you're spending what you should spend on a wedding gift. Right. Typically (laughs) um, with that range. And if they're patient and they actually follow, you know, and then I can put cute little tags on there, like, you know, happy fifth anniversary or, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of thought there and it's kind of a fun. Yeah, absolutely. Keeps going. I do that, but with uh, sodas. So I get them a, a bottle of of Dr Pepper for their first year, and then like a Dr Pepper to drink five years down the line. <laughs> I think it's just as thoughtful. It just really. gets it just gets better and better. Yeah, no, everyone knows soda age is great. Yeah, are I, there any things people should avoid when buying wine for gifts for people? Are there any any things that you should avoid doing? Buy wine. I don't know. Um, I mean. I feel like when people get a bottle of wine as a gift, they're usually pretty happy. <laughs> um, I mean, I would, I would say, you know, depending on the person, try not to go too weird with the varietal, um, you know, but what would again, qualify as too unless, weird? Unless it's a wine, I think that you really, really love. Yeah. Like, and it's sure. a little bit bizarre. Maybe somebody never heard of it, but you know that it's just solid. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's, I mean, uh, there's, tons of of different varietals you could get from Spain or France or Italy that maybe are a little bit lesser known varietals but are still really solid choices um what not to get people man that's that's hard to say um i would you know don't get them a bottle of blue nun yeah i mean <laughs> you know yeah i mean if you're going to get someone a, a bottle as a gift maybe Avoid the the pick and save wines <laughs> and just go to a, a actual wine vendor or wine shop to to get it. But this is a good segue. So people also buy wine to drink at the holidays. You know, yes. it's a time of year when people have a tendency to entertain. You know, and you're looking for big meals you know, and and yeah. you want a good wine to go um, with those big and meals. Maybe and maybe you're, getting, and, maybe you're yeah. getting interesting and you're trying to pair things, or maybe you just want a selection for people to enjoy. You know, but people do buy grocery. Like, can you get good wine at a grocery store? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think you just kind of have to maybe know what you're looking for a little bit more than, you know, don't, you know, probably avoid the end caps with the, like, 
super highly marked down stuff. <laughs> I mean, and I, fe- I feel like I read somewhere, don't buy the wines that are for sale. Buy the wines that are a good price all the time. Right. And don't buy the ones that are that makes sense. That are $5 off today versus... Yeah, I mean, it's... And I don't know how that, much I, that holds up. I'm sure up, that's but. probably fairly accurate. I mean, it could be a matter of a store over-purchasing something and then no one buys it and they're trying to get rid of it. Um, but typically, I think, you know, um, if you look at the at the top shelf or the second to top shelf in a wine section, you should be able to pull something pretty nice to to pass around the table at the holidays and and unless you're really tall that's like face yeah like neck and face level yeah so the things (laughs) you can easy as you can see most easily yeah tend to be better and i mean there's there's grocery stores that do better wine buying than than others so um what would be some of those i would say typically um uh, you know, Dwight does a really good job at Sendix about um, Sendix has a pretty good selection. stocking wines. Whole Foods has a really Sorry, good Sorry, amateur hour on my phone. Uh, Whole Foods, yeah, definitely. Um, there's some good stuff there. I think a lot of their, their like, better stuff is are, you know, found in, like, those tilted cabinets. They usually have, like, I think, you know, 20 to 30, like, top selections or whatever. And that's a good place to start looking um, for the holiday dinner stuff. Um, I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of people probably have the tendency to think, well, I can get more of this other stuff. Um, it's not always about more. Um, and, uh, you know, I think people well, appreciate a little bit of quality. I also, I also feel like grocery store prices, while there's this sort of mythology that grocery store wine is cheaper. I mean, and they, they do carry some cheaper selections sometimes, but if you go to a, a good wine shop, I feel like you can find things yeah, easily that are well discounted because they're buying, you know, I know Ray's buys up, you know, they buy an allotment of something, you know. Well, yeah, a lot of those wine shops get the first chance to buy allocated things. And, and then so, they can sell it sometimes at a at a really great price. Yeah. And and you got, you kind of have to figure like, you know, if you, you go to a place, uh, even like Whole Foods, say, and they have that section of like the top, top wines. That section is is just a fraction of what they have in the store or on the on the floor, but that's how actual wine shops like that's all they get is like the top stuff. So, um, you know, you go to a place like Waterford on Brady, and um, everything in there is quality, and it's not all expensive. You can walk out of there with a fantastic bottle for twelve bucks. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to support the local wine wine buyers and you know the grocery store stuff is is great and you know I think we were saying earlier like if you're going through and getting stuff to make dinner one night and you're like oh man I I forgot I don't have any wine at home and I don't have time you know? to go <laughs> hunting all over sure grab grab a bottle or two something that's going to work for you but if you're planning out a, a holiday dinner which a lot of people spend a lot of time planning on on that stuff take an extra hour out of your life and visit um, someone who's devoted their their lives to to buying wine and, and supplying wine to people. It's important. You brought up uh, going to local places, which is interesting because we've just had Total Wine finally come to the area recently. And I know especially in some places like Hales Corners where Total Wine has arrived and you've got all these small local places, what are your feelings about Total Wine and kind of it moving in here kind of... I know some people, I, I know myself personally, I kind of view it as like the Walmart of wine. Is that wrong it's, it's on my, big, on my that's part? Very, it's big boxy. Every, yeah. Right. Uh, as far as I know, Total Wine is owned by a, like a bunch of lawyers. Oh. Um, well, now I'm never going there. <laughs> uh, I mean, not all lawyers are bad, but, um, you know... It's interesting that you that you bring them up as an as an example. Um, actually, I think Total Wine is um, you know it it fills a need for people in in you know the communities here at some point. Like, um, but they also tend to tend to get into the business of some of the local guys and try to try to squeeze them out. So yeah, I, you know what I'm I'm from Milwaukee. I've lived here my whole life. Um, I always try to support the people who live here and, and spend their money here and employ people here. 
Um, even if they're small. Kind of a good philosophy across the Yeah, board, I mean, you know? like, we live in an age of, of big big box stores and plastic everything and throw away disposable everything. And, and to have someone who runs a small boutique shop who can actually talk to you um, and tell you And they everything. own that place. They're invested. And they want you to come back. So yeah. they're not going to send you away yep. with a wine um, that yeah. you despise in most cases. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you talk to Ben at Waterford or Nate at Ray's, um, those guys, not only will they give you a, a, a great bottle of wine, um, they'll probably also give you a, a joke or a story to tell <laughs> or something. And, you know, those are people who are, who are raising families in, in, in the city and, and in our region. And it's, it's nice to, to put a couple dollars in their pocket if you can. So, yeah. um, total, I'm not going to like, well, I just, I don't want, I don't want to get like served with papers or anything, but like, <laughs> I'm not, a, not a huge fan of total wine, <laughs> <You're not>, uh, <laughs> um, a, you okay. know, I'll, I'll just leave it right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, w- one part of wine in the holiday season is not just the delicious beverage, but also kind of the gizmos and the gadgets around, ho- uh, around the holidays that, that people enjoy, that people like to give. Are there any cool wine related gizmos or, or tools that you would recommend as like really cool gifts to people who love wines or people who have people that are total wine heads? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, first off, a good a good wine key is a really affordable thing to do for someone who who likes wine, and you can go and get those on Amazon um, for pretty cheap. I know that Thief also like sells a lot of like wine accessories. Um, yeah, and they have some really kind of cool, nicer, nicer yeah. stuff over there. Yep. Um, another big thing. Um, well, it's, no, it's not a big thing. I'm, I'm lying on a podcast. Um, How dare you? I know. This is um, a live free podcast. <laughs> um, get if if you have a wine lover on your list and you're buying bottles of wine for people, you can spend like I don't know, ten to fifteen bucks and get a little hand vacuum pump with like these little rubber seals for people. Um, oh yeah, so you don't have to drink the whole bottle. Yeah, I mean, like, like who does that? But yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, typically if you open a bottle of, of something that's not, you know, refrigerated, it'll be good for like, you know, a day or two if you put the cork back in. Um, if you get someone like a wine saver vacuum pump, um, you can prolong the life of a bottle by a few more days. And it's just, it's something really simple and easy to do. And you and know. it's kind of nice if you open a number of bottles when you have people over. Yeah. And everybody doesn't drink everything and you're not going to sit there and drink all the leftovers <laughs> after they yeah. leave, you know, that you can actually preserve those and drink them over the next Yeah, you don't have five to force days. yourself at like 11.05 to be like, fine, I'll keep drinking this, yeah. but like yeah. I have to, I can't waste it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think that's a really simple wear? thing. Glassware. Glassware, you know, and glassware does make, I mean, that gets into the, like, people think that's so snooty, but glassware kind of makes a difference. Yeah, I'm 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 a big glassware nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I you know um, you can get stemware um, from a lot of these places. Um, I'm pretty sure, like all the three that we've talked about, Waterford and Ray's and Thief, all sell glassware. Um, I think it's usually uh, Redell stuff that they sell. Um, Sur La Table also has. Uh, a really nice collection of, of stemware um, and, you know, uh, stemless glassware too. But um, yeah, I mean. I sort of feel like, you know, a couple glasses, you know, maybe, yeah. a, maybe yeah. a towel and a basket and a bottle of wine. What that's, should people yeah, look sort of for nice with that? Like what what is the thing that you should look for in stemware? What things you should look for not buying when it comes to stemware? What, what I look for typically is um, – I like to I like to pick up a glass and feel the weight of it. I think if it's super heavy, don't buy it. Yeah, if it's super heavy, um, I mean, it it may might be a little less you know uh, destructible <laughs> or whatever. But um, I mean, it's they're all they're all breakable. But typically, something finer and more crystal is is 
just makes for a more enjoyable drinking experience. You also want to check out the lip of the glass. There shouldn't be any sort of like, you know, bumpy sort of edge to it. Make sure it's nice and thin. Um, you don't have to go and get people Zalto stems to enjoy wine. Um, unless you really want to impress Matt's, somebody. Matt's faces. It, I was like, know, I was like, nodding. I was like, yes. oh, of course, mm, Zalto, Zalto stems. stems. Yeah. yeah, no. Those are like hand-blown, lighter-than-air um, you know, that seems like, like such great, a bad great wine glasses. That seems like such a bad idea. Though, I'm maybe my family is super sloppy and bad at life, but stemware in our household dies very quickly. So the idea of like, yeah, really <laughs> like like buying someone really nice stemware is a nice idea, but a part of it is just like functional stemware, like the stuff yeah. that most times throughout the year you're not going to be drinking out of crystal wine glasses. Yeah. You I will think, probably be fine with ones that we're holding right now. Yeah, these these ones are, are Riedel, um, and, you know, I get these through a, a distributor, um, but you could probably find, these are like like just the normal like white wine stems. You could probably find a, a four-pack of these for you know, 25, 30 yeah. bucks or something. And, and they drink really nicely. Um, they feel good in your hand. Um, and they make a, just a beautiful little clinkling sound when you, we tried, you cheer we tried like to that. get yeah. it out here. We'll see what producer well, Gabe yes. can do for well, us. Yeah. But. We'll see what he can do in post with the, uh, with the twinkle sounds. But, and uh, also my entire voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's a, a bunch of accessories. I'd also suggest if, if you do have a total wine nerd, not a total wine nerd, but maybe a, a just complete a wine nerd, wine nerd. A complete <laughs> wine nerd on your list. Um, get them a subscription to a magazine. Um, there's a really awesome, beautiful quarterly magazine called Noble Rot that um, that we stock at Voyager, um, and it's super cool, super dorky, but really informative. And they, it's like a bunch of the best wine writers in the world contribute to that. Um, and it's a great gift, um, for like a year subscription. So, um, I'm definitely going to plug those, those people, uh, when it comes to that stuff. Well, and you just gave me a great Christmas gift idea for all of my wine drinking family members. That's perfect. Oh yeah. That's what I'm here for, man. (laughs) Okay. So getting back to dinner. So let's, let's talk turkey, ham. Yeah. Like, um, turkey is, is nice because you can go with reds or whites, I feel like, with yeah, turkey. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, Thanksgiving um, as a dinner is, is you know, people get really worried about what to pair with it. For me, it's like, man, you can pair almost anything with Thanksgiving dinner. There's a huge range of of, um, of wine you could, you could do for that. Uh, you know, we could start with this Riesling that we're drinking here. We could go... Um, to something red. I mean, I think a, a gamay or a pinot is a great option for a red for, for Thanksgiving food. Um, because you just have a range of like fatty to starchy to like tart foods. Like if you think about like cranberries like, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Cranberries and gravy and biscuits and, and like, you know, turkey, it's, it's like, man, there's a lot of wiggle room in there. This um, would be pretty okay with pumpkin pie. Yeah. Yeah, the for Riesling? sure. Sure. Um, apple pie too. I mean, there's, there's green apple notes in this, in this particular wine. How would um, this go with a sweet potato casserole with the mu- marshmallows on top? This one? Cause we discovered yeah. last, last time we recorded that Lori does not like sweet potatoes with, I, with marshmallows I'm, I'm the, on top. The marshmallow and sweet potatoes. I, least, I'm, least yeah. I'm, that's fan, my, but. that's probably my least favorite Thanksgiving item. Oh my! <laughs> Am I the we don't, only it is banned, one it's here? From my family, really. Am I the I, only I'm, one here I'm flying the guy? Like I'm not really into like sweet food too much. There, there is a rule though that like you know like you have to have um, if you're gonna eat something sweet, um, you want the wine to be sweeter than the food because otherwise you're gonna get yeah, kind of clashy. That. This might this might be a nice one. You if you're gonna do riesling with the sweet potato marshmallow. Uh, disaster thing that you're nah. talking about hurtful like you're gonna, i feel like you needed a good glass of bourbon with that maybe ooh, maybe okay. it would be redeemed with the marshmallow yeah okay that. so let's eat ours for dessert with yeah a glass of bourbon. can't believe we, we are allowing the sweet potato <laughs> slander on this podcast <laughs> producer gabe and apparently you're going to keep bringing it up cut so, off you know. their microphones please <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i you know um 
I my my first my first and foremost rule if you're getting together with family for a holiday dinner, um, please be the person that brings a bottle of something sparkly. Um, like I think that's that's a category that's overlooked a lot of times. Everyone wants to bring a a big red or something cool or you know like, um, you know, grandma wants the the buttery chardonnay or whatever. But bring bring some bubbles to start things off. Um, or finish things off. Um and you might as well just get a magnum if you're gonna if you're gonna bring something to to a big dinner like that. So um you know that's yeah, that's bubble, bubbles know, are always a good idea. Just a hard and fast like. rule, like big get togethers where people are toasting and, and looking back fondly. There's gonna I, be some some cheers going on. I also on, feel so. like that's a nice idea if you're just keeping things around the house, unexpected guests, you know, yeah. people coming over, you know, pop pop some bubbly. Well, you know, light. throw some cheese out. Yeah, it's light too. Good. There's very, I think there's very few people that that will be a problem for them. And, and Sparkles and are, and it goes are with, fun. You know, you get into Christmas and you can drink bubbly with Christmas cookies. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, if you have someone at your house that doesn't like sparkling wine. Just don't invite them back next year. <laughs> I was going to say, these, these, these are say, not my people, yeah. Get right? new family. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, what you ever, do whatever You're you make, have to do. You know, but there's like the big macho uncle who's not going to drink, you know, the little... I only, well, yeah, the he little probably only drinks things. beer and bourbon anyway, so right. I don't think he's probably right. touching the wine cabinet. <laughs> so. I only drink high life. Yeah. I, you know, I think... Um, Isn't that the champagne of beers? Oh, oh look at or you. am I mixing my this is a, this, my is a su- this is a super sidebar and I apologize. But when I was in middle school, I ran for student council president and my campaign, this was during the Miller President of Beers ad campaign. So I made all bunch of signs that had Miller vote Miller, president of beers, but it was my name. My spelling, M-U-E-L-L-E-R with the Miller. And it turns out the school really was not happy with me because they were like, you put oh. beer ads all <laughs> over <laughs> our <Yeah>. middle school. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> and worse yet, I lost. So That's a bummer. Their loss. Cleverness Man. does not always <laughs> that's, win. That's when I learned that politics was a sham. Anarchy reigns. Well, how many of those people are... Are hosting their own podcast now. I mean, everyone has their own podcast. This so yeah. probably a lot. Yeah, this is this is true. They all have their own <laughs> podcast, and they're all talking about Matt and his, you know, yeah. One of them failed was, Miller campaign. Yeah, one of them was named Mark Marin. So I think uh, they're doing great. <laughs> so, yeah, I I don't know anything else you want to throw out there, just kind of in general about wine. You know, I think um, what about the um, the person who just really loves wine, like. What's something really cool and unusual that you've been drinking that, you know, just would be a great addition to holidays in general? Um, I mean, I kind of think about this in a couple different ways. I think, I think about wine, um, especially putting together a wine list for a wine bar, you know, um, I think about varietals and I think about regions. Um, and there's, there's certain, certain varietals that, that kind of, um, culturally kind of coast in on, on, you know, a wave of, of, you know, hype or whatever. It's like the, the Bon Appetit, like, you know, Oh, what's the hot new varietal this year? It's, you know, Riesling or it's, I feel like you it's know, been Rosé for um, the last three years. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, well, Rosé really like Rosé was, was much maligned for a long, long time. Cause all we really had was like whites and, but yeah. I feel like the the roller coaster, so, like it had its I high, think, and now I think it it feels like it's down right now where it's like you can get rosé in like anything and everywhere. Well, now we're finally to the point it's where it's like we can the pumpkin spice latte. All year, yeah, I mean, I is, mean, rosé you know, has 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 gotten its own place in between the whites and the reds. It's you know, it's something that you're going to see on wine lists year round. Um, and and in that same vein, um. Orange wine is is kind of now like that new sort of like where rosé like you know five six years ago was kind of like getting hyped up and and people were like you know getting jazzed on this you know new craze quote unquote um, orange orange wines also quote unquote um, are are kind of hitting that stride um, those are great great you know gifts for for wine lovers and wine nerds on your list um, and. Uh, you know, I think, you know, those, those are typically like, um, made in certain regions. Um, uh, you know, I think 
the Italians do some really great orange wines. Um, Georgia, not the state, the country, um, is is known for producing mainly orange wine. Uh, I think they typically are it's one of the oldest wine cultures on earth, and that's just how they do it. Interesting. Um, I've had some great orange wines from Australia, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool thing to get for someone um, who's really into into trying new stuff. A little bit more of an adventurous drinker. Um, if I had to say, you know, some some regions that I particularly like um, right now, uh, the Jura region in France is a really cool region for Chardonnay drinkers. Um, it's like higher elevation Chardonnay, so you get like these really cool like on the nose. You get like these really cool like petrol or rubber cement notes. Um, Oh, that's funny. and yeah, they're just like these really cool, like austere, um, like mineral-driven Chardonnays. Um, I also feel like I just I'm drawn to northwestern Spain uh, for for Spain whites and reds. Great. Spain makes some great wines. Spain, yeah, Spain is um, Spain is really great because you can find amazing wine for like relatively cheaply. Um, so. Um, maybe another kind of gift hint for people for the holidays. Um, Spanish, Spanish reds tend to be, uh, from, you know, if you're talking about Rioja or, or North of that tend to be lighter bodied, um, and highly parable wines. Um, Bobal on the other hand is a, is a grape from Spain. That's a little bit, uh, you know, the wine tends to be a little bit more dense, a little bit more heady, um, a little bit more of like that kind of like red velvet sort of like big cab style that kind of um, lingers around in your mouth for a while. Yeah. After. That's, that's like a, that's a steak person's wine <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, um, I'm also really into, um, Greek wine right now. Um, especially wine from Santorini. There's a, a varietal there called a um, which, is crazy because like the, these are vines that grow on an island that's basically the rim of an ancient volcano. And, and I'm, it's I'm picturing like, these really gnarly roots. They're super gnarly the, vines. Yeah. They don't grow in rows. They they actually grow in like a circle. Like it like all the vines look like these little baskets in a desert. It's like <laughs> really far out. Um, but there's some of the most beautiful white wines uh, fairies, being made right now. And the fairy now. dance, uh, the fairies dance among them. Yeah, in the twilight. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's cool. Um, so yeah, there's there's a bunch of cool stuff. Sicily is always really great for for picking wines for people. Um, I I personally, my taste is generally like anything kind of high elevation or, or volcanic soil. I'm, I find myself kind of drifting toward that stuff. But. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, and you talk about like the Petro and the, I will, ne- I will never forget. I was never a white wine person because I was thought, ugh. I think I was drinking, drinking pretty cheap, like not so great white wine. And I went to Chicago and I ate at an Asian restaurant and they had a white on the menu. I was kind of like, okay, this is, this is. And it was like pan Asian, so it was kind of fusiony. Yeah, I'm like this probably requires me to drink a white wine. So I'm looking through the menu, and I'll, I I will always remember that there was one wine, notes of lead pencil, and I remember <laughs> thinking, I need to try that wine. Yeah, I, I have I have no Wait, recollection you you of what that it actually like, put was. That in my body. I was actually, <laughs> and it turns out it was the most beautiful like slate and. Not really lead, but you know, right. you got that really amazing minerality. And from then on out, I was like, okay, I need to find wines like this. Like yeah. that was my, and kind of that volcanic, that terroir that you get from those regions, I think pulls in a lot of that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I mean, like if you're if you're getting a wine from a from an active volcanic area, um, like Sicily, for instance. Uh, the soil composition is going to constantly be changing year after year. So um, each vintage in succession tastes a little bit different than the one before. Um, and uh, it's always a kind of cool little experiment to do. You know, if you're doing like, eh, we're going to 
do a little vertical tasting or a vertical gift box for someone, you know, volcanic wine, then they'll have a little something different That's from nice the same theme. label. That's I like volcanic. that theme. It's explosive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I've got one final question for you. It is white elephant season. It is booze exchange season. You're on the hot seat. What would you get if you were in one of those situations? What would kind of be your go-to safe for, for no matter what? What's kind of your angle on that? Um, so this, this isn't like a, um, maybe more booze exchange, maybe less white elephant. Yeah. Let's do booze exchange. Cause people do white elephant differently. Some people get yeah, like, cause I've, I've been like in some really white bad, elephant like, situations where it's like the goal is to get like the worst gift, um, yeah, no. or whatever. Let's <laughs> um, veer the other direction. So then that's so. Boone's farm. Good. Okay. <laughs> Got that settled. We want, we want to give the wine that even though nobody knows anything about it or only a couple of people do, everybody wants it. Yeah. The, the so one that'll that? be the, the big hit at the booze exchange. Man, wow, that's a really tough question, you guys. Um, I saved a hard one for last. So, man, I'm just, I mean, I should probably just be like one of my favorite bottles right now, right? right. I mean, that's yeah, kind of right. like the thing that we're trying to do here. Um, I would probably throw in um, a bottle of Jura Chardonnay from Jean Ricciart. Um, super cool. Um, I mean, it, it says Chardonnay on the label. Um, but it doesn't drink like, like any it's typical not that Chardonnay. Big, buttery. That, yeah. It's, it's oaky. It's like lean and mean and, um, and like, it's kind of like, you know, if, if Chardonnay from Burgundy is like a, um, I don't know, I'm trying to make some, I'm terrible at car references. I'm just going to drop that right now. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really cool, it's a really cool Chardonnay. Um, it's something that. We actually have on the list um, at our spot, and I'm super stoked on it. Um, and could I, like, should I pick a red, too? Yeah, like, sure, go that, for it. Yeah. Cool? Sure. Um, I'm not even sure what I'm going to what I'm gonna throw out here right now, but, <laughs> um, man, I think, uh, like, I'm just, I'm kind of a, like, total, like, basic red wine guy right now. I'm, like, really into Oregon Pinot's. Um, from the Willamette Valley, I think that's a really solid choice for any. Eddie, kinda... I think you can. I think you can go to the Willamette Valley section of Pinot and yeah. pick almost any one, and you will be safe. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. There's there's a couple producers that that we really like, um, Bryn Mawr being one of them, and um, yeah, uh, I'm also gonna throw out like a like a X Factor one. Get a dessert wine for somebody, you know, get a Sauterne or a Retsina or um, a nice port. A lot of times Ooh, that stuff Retsina. is, is yeah. really affordable and it lasts for a long time in, in someone's fridge. Um, and it's an often uh, overlooked category. So, And I'm a big, I love the Tawny Ports. Tawny Ports, like I a like Barolo Quinato is a great idea that. too. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so okay, you can get me that for Christmas. This will be really nice. We'll, we'll know at the on Milwaukee Booze Exchange who yeah. listens to our podcast <laughs> when like everyone shows, up with, shows up with the same three types of wine. We have like fifteen people, and fourteen of them are. <laughs> It'll be like that's so nice. You guys listen. Look at that. All the French, all the French Chardonnay, <laughs> right? Well, weird. Thank you so much for coming in here and Thanks. chatting with us about wine, and more importantly, bringing us wine. Hey, you know what? That's and even that's you, what I do now. So, yeah. <laughs> and even if you didn't get enough out of this podcast, like Jordan is going to be on the job on a yeah. daily basis Come and at see Voyager. Me. So, yeah. like, if you're intrigued, you can talk anthropology. Um, you can talk. We bizarre have we groups. have a great crew down there. We have um, a couple level one psalms and. Um, not that we're snooty. We're we're all about getting, you know, wine to the people and, and having people be able to affordably explore a nice list. So uh, we're always down to talk about wine. I'll always recommend uh, local wine shops to people. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's just have fun and drink wine this holiday season, right? I mean, all cheers, right. cheers to all that. That's all I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Cheers to that. And what better way to end an episode about wine and getting drunk and drinking and with a, a little whining? Yeah, with a, well, we're not whining. We're we're whining and dining. It's uh, isn't wine an aphrodisiac of sorts? 
No, I, I don't know if you it's tend so to much. drink it, it in it romantic kinda, situations. Kinda, you do, you do, and it probably lubes up the bah. the personality. The word lube was not the word I would have gone with there. Um, Slide but yes, it right in there. Oh, I hate this segment every week. Somehow, you hate so many things, Matt. Actually, your life should be more filled with joy. It is filled with joy. And I lube. like hating things a lot. <laughs> Uh, this week's food porn segment comes from Salma Abdanur for Food and Wine magazine, uh, and it is called Wines for Drinking, Not, not Overthinking, overthinking. which is my kind of food article title. That's that's how I feel this about all... This is a all... nice follow-up, too, because Jordan, you know, he's, yeah, we... he's not a stuffy wine guy. No, he's very much like a, hey, wine, you should drink it. It's drinking, good. not overthinking. But let's uh, let's get to the, the sensual reading in the food porn minute. My challenge to discover the bacon of wine. Whether I'm tasting fried Jimmy Dean at a diner or slow braised Berkshire pork belly at the swankiest restaurant in town, I'm eating bacon. And I'm pretty happy about it. There had to be a wine equivalent, a varietal so fundamentally delicious that I'd love it without having to think too hard about it. Whether the bottle cost $10 or $400. A few experts I talked to chose Pinot Noir. The acid is soft. The tannins aren't aggressive. It's drinkable juice. Unexpectedly, the most popular pick was Merlot. Matt Skinner, the Australian sommelier who works with London-based chef Jamie Oliver, also chose Merlot. When I started learning about wine, I read a description of Merlot as plush, round, inky, sweet, full. I thought, I want to drink that. It's like a bear hug from your grandma. It's safe and warm. It puts its arms around you and says, it's okay. I'm not here to challenge you. I'm just here for you to enjoy. Let's go, Merlot. Yeah, what uh, what viewers, not viewers, what listeners aren't hearing is the paragraph of just like descriptors of people that got very uncomfortable. I was like, all the all the sommeliers Steve, and their titles. Yeah, David, Keith, like all these sommelier names. It's just like this is not. I don't want to read other people's names sensually on our podcast. We don't want to read journalism sexually. Yeah, yeah, we're not here to. Read read actual things we're here to we read food to porn. read the beautiful words yeah we're here to the read round the words, words the supple words yeah we're here to read phrases like i'm just here for you to enjoy and make funky music sounds um and we'll be doing that next week as well oh. as on our next episode of food crush and we hope you guys tune in and i hope you're enjoying the podcast and if you do enjoy the podcast keep tuning in keep, keep listening tuning in. and let us know let let us know what you like let us know you know yeah what let we us could know do if better. you want me to stop dropping my voice low and doing these food porn minutes oh matt go mare lower oh lori you're out of control uh if you don't know where to find food crush podcast which is weird because you must have found it because you've listened this deep into the episode but you can find us on itunes you can find us on stitcher you can find us on Bandcamp. essentially you can find us i don't know can, just can you can you find it no you can't <laughs> no you can't you find can't us. find us on Bandcamp because we're not a band we're I, we're like a band we're like a band. We're like a uh, an acapella group, but that doesn't have a sense of rhythm or melody, and they sing about food. We'll have to try that sometime. Think about that. We're like a spoken word band. Mm. But anyways, you can find us on all of those places, but not Bandcamp, as I've been told. Uh, and uh, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Lori, how can At people find us? Food Crush, M-K-E. Yes. And as always, if you like us, like us. Like us, like us. Yeah. If you're on iTunes, write a review of our podcast. Please write a review of our podcast. Please write a goddamn review of our podcast. Because iTunes only loves us so much. They love us much more. Yeah, when they, we they have don't, reviews. They don't have a food crush on Food Crush Podcast. Not they yet. have a food uh, kindling romance. They have a business partnership with us. Yeah, food business, <laughs> food business partnership. Uh, as always, for Lori Friedrich, thank you for having me. Thank you, Matt Milk. Uh, and uh, as always, keep cooking. <laughs>